Well, hey, welcome to the Walk On Podcast. Following Jesus is a journey, and hopefully this podcast helps you take your next step. So we've been spending some time with Jonah. The last episode, we walked through the Old Testament book and discovered it's about much more than just a whale. It reveals that God's true character is one of mercy and compassion and unfailing love, not just to those who follow him, but to those opposed to him as well. And we discovered that Jonah reveals the truth about each one of our own hearts, that our hearts can bend towards bitterness, unforgiveness, and vengeance. We want to determine who's worthy of God's grace, who is in and who is out. So yeah, the book of Jonah, much more than just a whale. It's some real challenging stuff. So this episode builds off of the previous one. If you haven't listened to the Jonah more than a whale episode, hit stop right now and go listen to that one. Are you still there? Okay, well, I'm assuming that you're all caught up on that previous episode. So now let's move from the Old Testament prophet to a New Testament gospel. And we're going to look at the echoes of Jonah in the ministry of Jesus. So let's start with an obvious one. Jesus makes a direct reference to Jonah, the sign of Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. So a little bit of context. At at this point in Jesus' ministry, he's facing some opposition from the Pharisees. He'd healed a man on the Sabbath, and then later he heals a demon-possessed man that was blind and mute. And the Pharisees opposed both of those healings, basically claiming that Jesus was evil. And it was by the power of Satan that he was doing those things. And so then in in verse 38 of, of Matthew chapter 12, it says that, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to Jesus, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And so Jesus answered, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. So a direct reference to the prophet Jonah. What's Jesus trying to say here? Well, I think at first observation, the the reference to three days and three nights in the heart of the earth sticks out. Spoiler alert here. Jesus is eventually crucified, buried in a tomb for three days. And in the same way that Jonah was in the fish for three days, but he didn't stay in the fish, Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. On the third day, he rose. And so for Christians everywhere, the resurrection of Jesus is a central tenet of our faith. It's proof that God's kingdom has come, that new creation is possible, and that sin and death don't have the final say. So I think Jesus is pointing ahead to what was to come. And and I can just imagine his followers trying to figure out what he meant by three days in the heart of the earth when they first heard Jesus say that. Uh, But then I can also imagine them having this, this huge aha moment when they stood across from the resurrected Jesus and put the timeline together. And they're like, Oh, three days. I get it now, right? (laughs) So there is an obvious connection between Jonah and the fish and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus is, is letting the Pharisees know, letting everyone hearing him 
know about what was to come and the importance, uh, the significance of what that event meant for the followers of Jesus and for the whole world. But remember what we talked about in the last episode, right? Jonah is about more than just a whale. And so while this sign of Jonah is referencing, you know, the three days that Jonah spent in the fish as a metaphor for the three days that Jesus will spend in the tomb, is that all that's going on here? Right? Because the story of Jonah was about so much more. Is, is there more being said here? Because after Jesus' reference to the three days, he goes on and he, he talks about how the men of Nineveh will condemn that current generation at judgment. What, what is he trying to say with that? Well, let's remind ourselves of the main message of Jonah. Right? We discovered that Jonah lets us know that God is kind, and he's compassionate, slow to anger, and full of unfailing love. And Jonah ran away from that because he didn't want to extend that grace to the people he didn't think deserved it. That's why he ran. That's why he delivered a half-hearted message when he did obey. And how did the people of Nineveh respond to Jonah's half-hearted message? With a dramatic show of sorrow and repentance. So keep that in mind when we read Jesus' words, when he says the men of Nineveh will stand up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, right? They repented at the the half-hearted message of Jonah. They saw what God was doing, and now something greater than Jonah is here. So remember that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, the Pharisees who had just witnessed Jesus perform these miracles but they didn't recognize it as God's goodness in the world. Instead, they claimed it was evil. They claimed that Jesus was doing these things by the power of Satan. And so Jesus is comparing these Pharisees with the people of Nineveh. And he's, he's letting them know that, that this, these godless pagans of Nineveh saw God in the half-hearted message of Jonah and they repented. But yet the Pharisees who know God and they know his law have something greater than Jonah standing in front of them. They have Jesus doing these miracles and yet they miss God in their midst. Jesus is doing these signs and yet they ask for a sign of of who Jesus really is. And Jesus is saying, you are missing it. God is bringing about goodness and healing and restoration through Jesus, and yet the Pharisees are missing it. Not only missing it, they are saying it is evil and it is wrong, and they are condemning Jesus. And so Jesus is letting them know that's why the men of Nineveh will condemn condemn them. The men of Nineveh who, who got it, who saw God working and they responded, and yet these Pharisees are opposing it. And in the same way Jonah didn't see God's heart for the people of Nineveh, Jesus is calling out the Pharisees for not seeing God's heart for people in their day. The Pharisees let their desire for God's law distract them from God's heart for people. The very reason the law was given in the first place. And so the sign of Jonah, it is about Jesus' death and burial, but it's also about so much more. He was pointing ahead to future events, but he was also speaking a challenging truth in that moment. The sign of Jonah is about the failure to recognize God's goodness and work in the world. But that's not just a problem that the Pharisees have, is it? I mean, what about you and I today? 
how often do we box God in with our expectations of how he should work? Uh, how often do we judge people and assume they are worthy of God's grace or God can work with them, but not with this group of people? Have, have you ever mistook something good that God was doing as something bad? I used to be a youth pastor back when smartphones were first coming out. And at this time, just a small handful of people had smartphones and most everybody else still had dumb phones. And in youth ministry, a common distraction for the students would, would be them pulling out their phones and texting during the sermon. And so I would encourage them to keep their phones away so they can stay engaged and, and pay attention. And I remember this one time I was preaching and uh, had the kids pull out their Bibles to follow along with me. And I look in the back row and I see a kid with his phone out and his buddy leaning over his shoulder, looking down at the phone with him. And so, you know, I, I just kind of call him out in the moment. I'm like, hey, hey, Tim, can you put your phone away? And he looks up at me and he says, well, I'm reading the Bible. And now I'm thinking like, how dumb do you think I am, right? <laughs> you know, I can clearly see your phone in your hand. And so I just said, well, no, you're not. You're on your phone. So please put it away and join us. And he says, no, really, I'm reading the Bible. I said, no, you're not. You're on your phone. I can see it. And he says, well, well, my Bible is on my phone. It, it's an app. And, and that was the moment that I first learned about the Bible app on smartphones. <laughs> and this whole time, this, this kid was following along. He was engaged and he was letting God's word speak to him and to his buddy that was looking over his shoulder. And I totally missed it. I thought he was causing a problem. I thought he wasn't paying attention. I thought he was distracting other people. And yet it was God working. He was paying attention and letting God's word speak to him. Now that's, you know, that's a lighthearted story, but it, it shows how we can see something and think it's wrong and opposed to God when it's actually God working in our midst. And that idea gets a little more heavy, a little more real when you start thinking about the times that we exclude people because they don't fit our image of God. When you start thinking about the extra rules and burdens that we place on people because, well, that's how, that's how God works. That's what God wants us to do. And I wonder how many people have actually been pushed away from God or pushed away from the church because we respond in a similar heart of the Pharisees. To say, no, that, that's not how God works. That doesn't fit here. That's not right. You see, we like to draw lines and say where God is and where God isn't. And we like to distinguish who or what God is for and who or what God is against. And the danger in doing that is that we might draw a line that God doesn't. And when that happens, the irony is that we're the ones missing out on what God is doing, while the people we excluded are the ones experiencing God's goodness. And if there's one theme that I see over and over again in Scripture, it's that God's boundaries are much bigger than we realize. There are stories again and again of God working through the unexpected, through the undeserving, and through the unqualified. Right? It's God calling Abraham and Sarah, this elderly couple, unable to have children, and saying, through you, I'm going to birth a nation. It's God taking the youngest and the smallest of the brothers in a family and saying, you, David, you are going to be the next king. It's God working through Rahab, the prostitute. God working through Ruth, the outsider. And it's Jesus 
calling Matthew the tax collector, who was the traitor and enemy of his people because he sold them out to the Roman Empire. And it's Jesus calling him to say, you're worthy of following me. And I I think as Matthew writes this gospel, I can't help but wonder how he reflects on his own story as he's writing the account of Jesus and seeing in Jesus this expansive uh, open arms where he's pulling people in and seeing God move in ways that the religious establishment of the day couldn't fathom. And yet God's grace is bigger and broader, even enough for a tax collector to be redeemed and restored. And I wonder if Matthew sees himself in the story of Jonah. And as he's writing about the sign of Jonah, if he realizes he's part of that, he was part of the group that these Pharisees were excluding. He was part of the group that the Pharisees said, there's no way that God could move into somebody that's a, a traitor of their own people. And yet here Matthew is a follower of Christ, writing this gospel so that generations and generations of people can hear about the goodness of God working in the world. And so we can let categories like gender and sexuality and political affiliations, addiction and race and so many other things dictate our perspective on somebody's potential before God. We can look at them and say, they won't, they don't, they can't. But maybe Jonah reminds us that our definitions and boundaries don't limit God's work, that there's no one beyond God's reach. And perhaps the Ninevites in our lives are the ones that can actually teach us something about God. And so the sign of Jonah is about Jesus in the tomb, but it's about us too. Our tendency to stand in the way of God's goodness in the world due to our own prejudices and bitterness and vengeance. And I don't know about you, but I want to join in the expansive grace found in Jesus. And I want to declare that his death, burial, and resurrection truly brings good news to everyone. So as we close, I invite you into just a moment of reflection and let's ask God to speak to our hearts and show us where where maybe we are standing in the way or standing in opposition to his work in the world. Where might we have drawn some boundaries and lines that, that God doesn't draw? Who might we be excluding because they don't fit our picture of somebody that God would work with? In the moment of humility, let God bring those things to our mind and help us see people the way that He sees them. So Heavenly Father, in this moment, we ask you to speak to us. Holy Spirit, bring to our minds times that we might be limiting you or standing in your way of your work in the world or where we might be excluding someone you want us to include. So God, we humbly ask you to help us see that. And we ask you to give us the courage to change our ways. 
so that we can be in line with your heart in the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Walk On Podcast. The next couple episodes will continue digging into the story of Jonah and how we see that impact the life of Jesus. And as always, you can help more people encounter this podcast by rating and reviewing and sharing this episode. Thanks for listening.